What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Monday Main Point. This is Pastor Blake here. I'm the children's minister here at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church. It's a privilege to be joining with you uh, on this podcast where we kind of really talk about the latest sermon message from this past Sunday and really get to the main points of it and dive a little bit deeper and kind of, if we have some fun, kind of geek out a little bit. So it's a lot of fun. And this is really a podcast where uh, it's beneficial for your discipleship. And one thing that I love, it's beneficial for our discipleship. And I'm joined with our lead pastor, Jeff McCarthy, today, and our minister of congregational care. I got your title right this time, so be proud. <laughs> um, uh, Katrina Redman. Um, Jeremiah is not with us today. He's getting a lot of stuff squared away for his transition out to Oklahoma. So we'll definitely be praying for him and wishing he and Karen and the kids the best. Um, and so we're excited to jump into this uh, Christmas season sermon with uh Jesus is Emmanuel. It's a, it's just such a good time of the year. Honestly, I love, love Christmas time. Love that we celebrate, and it's such a, such an easy time just to proclaim Christ. And Christ is so known. I mean, it's even in the name of the holiday. So, really love that. I um, hope you are doing well. Hope you're having a blessed uh, start to your week so far. Um, wanted to, wanted to just kind of start out and asking Jeff, you know, with the, uh, with your sermon right here, what was the what was the kind of mindset behind this sermon for this Sunday? What was kind of leading you up to this? Well, the whole point of, uh, you know, we're, we're in Christmas season. and uh, used to be Christmas season. We began right around uh, the end of Thanksgiving. Yeah, like around Black now, Friday or something. Black, if you go to uh, 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 Cracker Barrel or anywhere else, <laughs> uh, the, all the Christmas stuff comes out around August now. They, they don't even make it to Halloween. And so it, may, it makes you start thinking about the you know, all this stuff is, 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 is commercialism and everything taking over Christmas and um, like the Hallmark movies. Uh, most of them are about like Christmas is about family and love and miracles and all these things that are out there. And then when you look at people uh, out in the hustle and bustle, like, you know, I remember before I was a, a Christian, you know, I liked Christmas because it was all about partying and being with your friends and getting gifts. Yeah. And so the whole point is like, um, do people even really know the point that Jesus is Emmanuel, that he's really God and making sure that our people knew that he's God so that when they're talking to people and everything, um, they can explain why, why do we worship Jesus? Why do we worship this baby that was born? Because we know that he grew up and died on a cross for us. So just to hammer home the whole idea. All right, we're entering to Christmas. You're going to be interacting with people. So, you know, everybody makes a big deal of it. Well, they won't let us say Merry Christmas, but the, but if you, all you say is Merry Christmas, are you really, you know, presenting the gospel to somebody about why we celebrate Christmas? Yeah, and I think that's a really good, uh, you know, way to come from right there because asking the why behind stuff is really important. And it does, it is kind of weird, Katrina, to see people celebrate Christmas, celebrate a Christian holiday. And they're not even Christians, which is kind of a cool, you know, cool dynamic in a way, but a little bit, a little bit odd. And here in a second, I'll have you read the passage um, that uh, Pastor Jeff preached from Matthew chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-five. And your sermon title was "Jesus is Emmanuel." So we'll be talking a lot about what the word Emmanuel means with the prophecy from Isaiah chapter seven, verse fourteen, and getting into that some of the context, what the purpose of the virgin birth why why did it even have to be why did jesus even have to be born of a virgin you know why 
some stuff like that. So can't wait to get into it with you all today, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Katrina, if you don't mind reading the, the passage and praying for us before we get into it, that'd be awesome. Sure. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because she has been conceived in her from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. And let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for time to really discuss your word in depth um, and grow. We ask that you Bless us and, and speak through us, Father. Um, you know what you would uh, have us to learn and hear. And we just ask that you bless our time together uh, to help each other grow and, and those who would hear this podcast. Of course, in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Katrina. So thank you for a good reading of the scriptures right there. So there's a lot to a lot to unpack here. Great story and great reason about the why we celebrate Christmas. So, Jeff, your first point yesterday was... Jesus is Emmanuel because his virgin birth fulfills scripture. Jesus is Emmanuel because his virgin birth fulfills scripture. So let me just throw this out there. What does Emmanuel mean? <laughs> Excuse me. What does Emmanuel mean? And why is the virgin birth necessary? The virgin birth um, for our listeners is really a very prime tenet, if you will, of the Christian faith. If you don't believe in a virgin birth, you're not going to have the right view of Jesus. And if you don't have the right view of Jesus, obviously it's hard to hard to really follow up with anything after that if you don't have the right view of Jesus. So why is the virgin birth necessary? What does Emmanuel mean? I'll throw that out there to y'all. All right. Well, Emmanuel means God is with us, okay. just like the scripture says. Um, and that, Tasha uh, Jeff did a great job of explaining how he is with us. Um, internally. The virgin birth in particular was very important. It, it sets our beliefs aside uh, from other belief systems. So the virgin birth, because man had fallen, and in, in our conviction, man had fallen, according to scripture, uh, from that perfect union with God mm -hmm. when they sinned, and they chose to sin against God. And so the only one that could be, um, to make that correct, would be someone who was sinless. Mm -hmm. And and so it had to be someone who was not um, born um, naturally traditional route. Naturally conceived yeah, the way that we conceived. perceive, yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, the Holy Spirit provided the Jesus, the sacrifice of, of Jesus to be born, who was fully God and fully man. So he um, was born of a virgin, 
um, because that set the stage. He was not naturally conceived. He was um, spiritually uh, conceived, and that's the only way that we could have that perfect sacrifice that could take our sins away, that could um, come to take all of those our sins, what we deserve, our punishment, and make us right um, so that we could uh, have God with us uh, internally, the priesthood of the believer, the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Um, that's why uh, we needed the virgin birth as opposed to a natural conception. Right. So the virgin birth points to the deity of Christ. Um, you know, I talked about artificial insemination. Like if it happened today, somebody could say, well, you know, some some doctor or something got this girl pregnant through artificial insemination. But uh, so you're talking about a supernatural insemination. Yes. We were talking last night about that. I was like, oh man, I wish I had thought about that then. I would have said it. But but yeah, so so that points to his deity because of course he's he's a, he's a human being, so you have to have a woman. And also that points back to the original uh, gospel passage in Genesis where it said her seed, because the man has the seed, the woman has the egg. So this was going to be something different, something unique, something that's never happened. And um, so, so it points to the deity. And then because um, Jesus' blood is what cleanses us of our unrighteousness, um, usually the bloodline flows through the Father. Okay, And so, so the Holy Spirit, God the Father, is the bloodline that connected with Mary mm. and her blood bloodline. And then that created them this fully God, fully human person, the, what we call the incarnation, that, that God incarnate, God is with us, you know, in the person of Jesus. And then later on, we, we know that he comes to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing you mentioned there, because even in the Greek, the way it talks about Jesus' family, it shows that he has a biological mother, but a supernatural father so like obviously we wouldn't say joseph was the dad of jesus he would be like the i guess like the stepdad mm -hmm. of jesus so really glad you mentioned that i know here in um the first uh, couple verses in 18 through 23 there was a big kind of discrepancy with joseph and mary because obviously they hadn't had any sexual relations and she comes about and she's going to be pregnant and obviously if you're joseph in that time period you are furious because you know nothing's gone down and your your fiance is pregnant. Now, Jeff, give some context of how a process, if you found out that your fiance is pregnant and you know nothing's nothing sketchy's happened, what it talks about putting her away. What what does that mean? Well, basically, uh, in the biblical tradition, uh, in the in in the East. Uh, especially in the Middle East, um, if you're engaged with someone, it's, it's as if you're already married. It's like a contractual thing. Um, there's there's uh, inheritances, there's endowments, there's all these things that happen uh, when two families come together with a with a young a young woman and a young man. And in biblical times, uh, marrying a virgin was was huge. In fact, it was so huge that uh, Part of the after the consummation of the marriage, the woman would keep her um, uh, sheet or the, the whatever she was lying on or whatever she was wearing. That was the proof, and that was that she was a virgin. So, uh, 
So once you are engaged, then then nobody else. This this is this is technically speaking, you're already married. You're already married in the eyes of the law. And so when she shows up pregnant, and he hasn't been with her, then she's been with someone else either by by choice or someone raped her right. or something has happened for her to be pregnant. And now he's got to make a decision because by the law, he can bring her before the, the town uh, elders and they can have a trial and basically have her stoned. And in fact, in the New Testament, remember, um, Jesus was confronted with this woman found in adultery. The Bible says she was caught in the very act. Was so that they, John 8, I think? Yeah. So yeah they bring her to Jesus to tempt him to see what he's going to do. And so that's when Jesus gets on the ground and starts writing. And then one by one, they leave from the youngest to the oldest, um, you know, uh, because he says, you are without sin, cast the first stone. And they all basically were sinners. And so the whole point of that story was that that um, if they were caught in the very act, then the woman, and if they got the woman and they're caught in the very act, they, they definitely know who the man is. Right. They should have brought both before Jesus. And they both would have been stoned right there in the city court. And so the same thing would have been happening to Mary. So so Joseph could have had her brought before the elders, could have had her stoned and killed for being unfaithful to him and not living up to the, the vow that they had made that they were going to be engaged to be married. So that's kind of a long story, but that's really what was going on with him. What am I supposed to do? Because he was afraid too. And, um, and so the Holy Spirit had to reassure him that 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 story because obviously Mary has told him the story and he's and the Holy Spirit is confirming to him that this tr- is true because it is an incredible story. Um, you well, know. and it brings in the things that it's different for us being Western born, you know, and raised in the, the American culture yeah. to understand a more Eastern way of life, which would be where the community came together and arranged marriages, mm-hmm. and they had watched both of these two. Um, since they were young, and they coordinated the arrangement of this union, this um, espousal, which was an engagement, which was viewed as marriage. And you, as the, when you were like that, you, as the female, you would go to live in the household of your husband. And, um, you know, it's um, very much becoming part of that um, family. And so for us, we don't do it that same way here. Um, and so for her to be living in Joseph's family's household and to become pregnant, it was a very big deal. And it reflected on the community because they were the ones that had said, yeah, we think this is a good match. A lot more people would be impacted right. due to possible sin than maybe just them. And the reason I bring that up is because um, when you read it, 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 it does kind of have like a weird dynamic a little bit. Because in verse 18, it talks about being engaged. She's engaged to Joseph. But in verse uh, 19, it says, so her husband, Joseph. So now, obviously, from a Western context, engagement and marriage are two different things for us. But for that Jewish context, like Jeff, you were saying in the East, was very important. So it's really important to know that context. And I think when you know that context, you really know how how strong this story is and know kind of like the emotions that could be behind it. But I've always been amazed at Joseph because in verse... uh, in verse 19, it says, so, <laughs> excuse me, so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, Katrina, mm-hmm. and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. 
he had every right to do it publicly, but didn't do that. Right. He, you know, we talked about he wasn't Jesus's father. That doesn't mean that he didn't role model <clears throat> earthly fatherhood to, <clears throat> to I Jesus like that. as an I like infant. that. He, he had that role, and the fact that the scriptures specifically tell us he was a righteous man lets us know that this was someone who was faithful and was going to follow this and seek God's guidance. And that's what we do. You know, when we come across something that we don't know how to handle, we seek God's guidance. And that's exactly what he did. He was he was at first going to say, okay, I, I, I don't want her to be stoned. I don't want to you know, her to go through a public spectacle, I'd just do this very quietly and I'll take the impact because for for him, the impact was to say, you allowed her to do this without punishment. Mm. So his testimony would have been impacted as well. So very key that he had what God looks at, which is that heart. He had a righteous heart. Absolutely. And I think that's important because honestly, we don't see much about Joseph in scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, after... After Jesus was found teaching in the temple, I mean, there's he's not really around for his adult life. And there's been some, you know, debate on what that is. But it's real important to see here that Joseph was a righteous man. And I've always thought, you know, if I were Joseph, I don't know that I, you know, in all honesty, I don't know that I would have handled it as well as what it seems like he handled <laughs> because he, uh, he handled it real well. And then in verse 20, but after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And I'm thinking, if I'm Joseph, and, you know, this is like a burning bush moment for me a little bit, you know. To change my mind about that, I would probably take an angel coming to me and saying, hey, this is actually a plan of God. Uh, Jeff, how do you think, you know, how what do you think might be going through Joseph's mind when he's doing this? Well, in the Joseph story, I think this is when he became the, the true believer in the Messiah, because all of them at that time were expecting. Yeah. And Mary's name is Mary for a reason, because Mary is Naomi, who changed her name to Mary, which means bitterness. And then the, <laughs> the whole story about Ruth getting with Boaz, and then uh, they get married, and then that's the bloodline to David, and then that's actually the bloodline to Jesus. So, um, so, so Joseph then, he's in the city of David, so he's he's from that tribe. So he's in the bloodline too of the Messiah. Mm. So his whole struggle was, okay, she's telling me this incredible story. Do I believe it? And now I'm having I don't really know what to do. But if the, if if she's telling the truth, I don't want to kill her. If she's really got the Messiah, so I'll just figure out a way just to let her go. Maybe she could go move with her aunt and just you know depart and. I'll save face and I won't kill her. And if he really is the Messiah, then that will happen. But then the angel comes, confirms everything, and then points back to this, this unique prophecy that we'll look at more de in depth in the second part. Um, um, and so now he may, has to make a decision, you know, am I going to believe? And by him by him taking her as, as his wife and then having Jesus and actually naming Jesus uh, the name that the angel told him to, you know, Yahweh is salvation, then he realizes that because he obeys and does, then he becomes a believer and this is the Messiah that's being born. And so it's, it's really a great story. And the reason I had to bring in her story too was because he's verifying he hasn't been with her because if he had been with her, 
then that would have complicated matters even more. So kind of hard to argue. Yeah. For a virgin so he's birth he's, if, he's yeah. like, I haven't been whether I'm I'm going to divorce her. Um, I'm pregnant, but it's through the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit says, yeah, she's telling the truth. This is pointing back to that prophecy uh, that that all these Jewish people knew of because they probably all scratched their heads like, how's this going to happen? And so now it's happening right before their eyes. So that's the whole thing. When I was saying, would you? When I did the introduction, would if I told you all this stuff happened? You know, 700 years before Jesus was even conceived, would you believe it? And then, so now it's happening. And so this is the whole point about believing in, in this Messiah that was promised. And because he's God with us, was which points to his character, but they're going to call him Jesus mm. because he's going to save his people from their sins. That brings up a whole new um, a whole new thinking about who this person is. And so it's all tied in there together. And which makes it a great um, advantage, a, a great story to tell, but also a great way to present Christ for people to come to that point too, that realizing that He's the Messiah. Yeah, and that's the good news of the Old Testament is that yeah, you see a lot of really depraved things in the Old Testament and whatnot, but there is this promise, and that really goes all the way back to Genesis three fifteen that see the woman would like you were saying is going to come and crush the head of the serpent. You know, he might bruise his heel, but you know this. You know, this person from the seed is going to come and crush his head. And you see like um, 2 Samuel 7, this Davidic king and this line of David. And like even in the last part of the book of Ruth, it ends with the genealogy. And a lot of times we can skip over those genealogies because for us, I mean, just listing off a bunch of names, we might see them as almost like meaningless. But you see God's providence, God's divine uh, way of bringing things about. Of he is bringing about this Messiah, um, this King, like it says in Second Samuel seven, and then getting into Isaiah fourteen, that this uh, even more detail. This King's actually going to be born of a virgin um, to you, and that's um. We'll go ahead and get into that with Isaiah chapter seven verse fourteen in your second point, Jeff, which is Jesus is Emmanuel because he is the sign that God is with us, and here in uh, Matthew chapter one verse. Um, Verse 20, when it says Joseph, son of David, Matthew's whole purpose in writing this gospel is that Jesus is the Old Testament Messiah that was promised. And you see that in the genealogy. You might see a lot of names that might not make sense or you think are irrelevant. But in the and you don't really get to see this in the English language, but in the Hebrew, he set it up to where you have like this number code with the names called Gematria and it pointed towards David. So he's saying like, hey, this is the lineage of this Davidic king that has been promised. Joseph, son of David, it's reiterated right there. And he goes on to talk about how in verse 22, he mentions Isaiah. So, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him <coughs> Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I think it shows a lot about Jesus, Katrina, that he fulfilled he fulfilled this prophecy because yeah. the fact that I heard a statistic one time. It's like for Jesus to fulfill one out of seven Old Testament prophecies was like putting two like stacking up two quarters over the whole state of Texas and then trying to pick one of them that has like an X on it, blindfolded <laughs> or something right. like that. Yeah. And there were over a hundred 
scriptures in the Old Testament that reference the uh, the birth, the sign. I love that when you brought that out in the service, and I I get easily distracted. So <laughs> he's talking about King Ahaz, which in Isaiah chapter seven, you're going through the story of, of King Ahaz and what was going on at the time, and I said. Oh, I forgot about Ahaz. What was going on then? So I went back and I looked at it, and I looked uh, before it up to verse 10, which in your second point um, you were mentioning. But um, Ahaz, God is um, telling Ahaz to ask him, and Ahaz says no. Mm-hmm. And and he says, Oh, I want to. I don't want to um, test God's patience. And but God, the Lord told him to ask him mm-hmm. for help. Yeah. For, to, to do this, and I think we get into that same um, situation ourselves. Or God tells us to do something, and we say, oh, no, I don't want to burden you, Lord, with, with my troubles. You know, but it's really because it's a selfish response. We want to do what we want to do, right? Mm-hmm. That's what King Ahaz That's exactly what he did. Yeah. And when I looked at King Ahaz, it led me back to Exodus chapter 3, and it talked about Moses. When God told Moses, go talk to Pharaoh, and, and Moses goes, who am I? Who am I to do this? And and Mo, uh, Exodus 3.12 said, and God says, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you. And he's talking about, it's another word, well, another time where sign is mentioned, but he's talking about him, he's personally going to be with Moses to take him through this. He's giving Moses the faith to do this. And um, I think that's so important when we look at signs. Is you know the world views signs so much differently than we do. So yeah, that's what I I got out of that the the proof you know the visual proof that that um, we tend to want to ask for confirmation that you're going to be with us. Oh, there's plenty of confirmation throughout Scripture. Absolutely, and we have such a privilege as New Testament saints to be able to look back and see how the story unfolded, whereas somebody in Isaiah's time in the 8th century B.C. might have struggled with it, You know, might have struggled with it. And I think what you were talking about with the context really does help because if you look at Isaiah chapter 7, maybe you can see that this is going to be... Uh, you might not know that it's God, a uh, human right there, but the more and more into the context you look into, like uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this baby is going to be called Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. The government will be on his shoulders. Well, I mean, like the government can't be on a spirit soldiers or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So you see that, uh, from Second Samuel 7 here, it's going to be a, a man and not one of Ahaz's sons. And I really like that you talked about how when... Ahaz is talking, and the you gets to become plural right there. Mm-hmm. For us, you in the English language is, and I feel so weird being a regnant talking about English language here, like teaching on English. <laughs> we use y'all. Yeah, we right. use y'all. If it said y'all, this would be a sign for y'all. Yeah, and honestly, y'all actually would kind of work here because it is plural. Because yeah. but it's if you not- just read it and not look into the scriptures, which is what, you know, we're called to do as pastors, we're called to uh, rightly divide the word of truth. Mm-hmm. And so by knowing that that you there is plural. It gives a whole new meaning to this. Exactly, because then birth. the sign is not just for Ahaz, it's for all of his people that were around him, which included all of his, his Sanhedrin of the day, all of his rulers, um, the prophet Isaiah and whoever's with him. 
In fact, you know, then it, then it, then then it's for everybody. Um, now, the thing I brought up about the virgin, uh, you know, the using the word because the word in Hebrew is Alma, which could mean uh, a woman of Marian age. So for every prophecy, and I didn't go into all this during the the um, sermon because that really is not the point of it, but for us to geek out, you know. So some people right. say, well, this has to be. Um, it's a prophecy that's near fulfillment and then for a greater fulfillment. And we know the greater is Jesus. So um, later on, Isaiah has a couple of children and um, then they become like the sign for the people then. And and so, um, but with the Septuagint actually translating the virgin by using the same Greek word, which actually means someone's never had such relations then, then we know then this is a pointing to a greater sign, which is, which is Jesus. So, right. And with uh, that, and, and the point too, is not so much the virgin is the sign, but Emmanuel is actually the sign. The child is being born. And that was the point I was trying to make with the second point there is that Jesus is actually the sign of fulfillment. He's the one we believe in. He's the one we put our trust in. He is the God with us. Absolutely. And you see that all throughout Scripture. And I really loved your cross references yesterday. I thought they, especially in John 1, um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, <coughs> and the Word was God. And you might be like, well, how does how does that relate to Jesus? You know, that shows kind of his role at creation. That Because um, if you look at Genesis 1-1, obviously God created the heavens and the earth, so you see the Father there. And Later on, it talks about how the Spirit's hovering over the face of the water. So you see two members of the Trinity. But I'm thinking, you know, if I haven't really ever been discipled or kind of newer to the faith, I'm thinking, like, where in the world is Jesus at in that, you know? Well, that, you know, it says that God God spoke it into So that word, that's what John's talking about right here, this word. And a lot of the early church fathers would actually refer to Jesus or refer to the Trinity as the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. So that's where that's where John's getting at right here. Is that spoken word comes into existence, and in him was life. Everything was created. Well, um, when they said, let us make man in our image, right? then he's talking about man's made, and then God comes in the form of man. And so that's all interconnected, too. And that distinguishes us that from... Jesus is there. From other belief systems, which say that 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 would corrupt God for God to be in the flesh, and and so with that, it's very important that He was God from the beginning. Jesus was there; He knew all along, and God gave up Himself, which is exactly what He patterned for us. Mm. He patterned that we give up to Him that that same sacrifice that He gave for us, we give for Him. Right, and I could I could maybe see where there could be some confusion about the that might would corrupt God, but he was God and God can't sin, so he didn't he didn't become corrupted just because he took on that human flesh. Well, he actually was the true and better Adam. He came to do or to redo what Adam did. Right, yeah. and and in in other belief systems, they believe you know, and that's what the virgin birth distinguishes us from. He was not born in sin. Adam fell, and um, we did our study on traducianism, which is a big 
technical word. On what now? It talks about the origin of the soul, traducianism. Okay, okay. It talks yes. about the origin of the soul. How do we get a soul? How does it get passed? There's different theories on it, just like, you know, every other science. There's, there's different theories on, on how that happened. And we, get, we believe we got our soul from Adam, but then Adam passed that down so that all of us share in the fallen state. So, so that was key because the virgin birth, it was God giving him himself because he couldn't have a fallen state individual rescuing the other fallen state individuals. Right? And with the deity of Christ, I think it's important to see this, like this motif of creation in Jesus' ministry. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit created a baby and, and he comes and I think of his, um, at his baptism, you have the father speaking, this is my son who I'm very well pleased with and then the spirits hovering over him and then so you have the like a recreation kind of thing that you have you see that there's a he's emulating what was happening at creation and he goes out into the wilderness kind of like how the israelites did so you see that you know this narrative of scripture was pointing towards jesus right here you know when he heals people that's recreation salvation is rebirth like he's talking about with um in John, with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, this rebirth, this recreation, and this new creation that he's going to be bringing about. And with <laughs> there's so much scriptural evidence for uh, the um, this what we call this hypostatic union, how this divine nature and this human nature comes together in Jesus. And honestly, Colossians 1, 15 through 17 and 2, it's honestly awesome because yeah, it so says... Let's just take in what John... Uh, produced and then developing it more from Paul's aspect uh, into the Gentile world he's trying to reach so they can understand how, how all this comes together. So it's basically a repeat of what John said, which is a little bit more detailed. Yeah, and with and the only way for, and we'll start to begin to kind of close out with this, with God with us, in Jesus's, um, in Jesus' death, you know, with he came to reconcile sinners to God. He cannot do that if he is not God. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, in order to reconcile sinners, you have to have like, you know, for lack of a better term, one side's a, you know, a human in this form, but you also have to have God, something to reconcile the both. And that cross, when he dies on the cross, is that bridge. The wrath of God was satisfied. And, and with this Christmas story, you see that he was a baby born to die. And, um, well, and, and other people have, have really a hard time with that. They say, why would, would God kill his own son? You know, I've heard people say that before when they come from a different belief system than ours. But God was giving of himself. You know, when you look at it as God gave of himself for me. It's like, a, like spiritual child it, abuse or something they would yeah, think of it as. It, it comes across... Um, uh, very unloving, and that's absolutely not what it was. It was God giving up His very self for us, even though we had fallen. And what better example of love than that? And it was for the, <laughs> I think it's Hebrews, it says, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. Honestly, the only way you go through that brutal process and have joy set before you, I would argue you have to be God to do that, you know, because, um, you know, he saw the purpose in that. He was a baby who was born in a manger and uh, first witnessed by lowly shepherds and um, to be born to die. And 
Um, I think it's so going back to the why of Christmas to kind of uh, bring it to a close here. Going back to the why of Christmas and why do we celebrate? Everything's going to go back to baby Jesus in the manger, God with us. And um, everything that goes out from that is so important for us to for us to witness to our friends, to have people at the dinner table. Because I'm sure a lot of you listening in, you might have friends and family over this season who um, who may not be Christians or who may have who or may be but kind of um, gone away a little bit, but use this time just to, you know, talk about the why you celebrate and ask people great conversation starters. Um, anything, anything else y'all want to add to that with the why behind Christmas? All right. Awesome. <laughs> so well, and then uh, yeah. Matthew closes out, of yeah. course, with That's I'll right. be with you right. uh, always. Mm-hmm. And so he literally is God with us. Cause there was a whole, there's, there was a whole thing about, uh, why did Mary and Joseph not call him Emmanuel? That's what the angel said. And so, uh, but the angel said to call him Jesus. But so the Emmanuel is, is like uh, his nature, who he is. Jesus is what he came to do. And uh, <clears throat> so, so he's still with us and will always be with us, uh, even into to eternity, if he's in our heart. And that's the main thing is getting people to understand and all that, yeah, this is an incredible story, but do, do you really believe it? Mm. And most people, um, their concept of who, at Christmas is they don't really have a problem. That, yeah, this baby was born, but they're in their mind, they're thinking he's more like a Martin Luther King, someone that got uh, became a martyr, mm. that was a good person, a good teacher, um, all these things. But if he was just that... Uh, then, then he's just another good person that, that died. But if he's God, and really is God, then what are you going to do about it? You've got to do something about that. You, you can't have it both ways. Um, and so that's the most important thing about it, is making sure we as Christians know what we celebrate and what we worship too, uh, so that we can help people understand the know. Uh, what Christmas is really all about. And I think, um, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I totally accidentally looked over the Matthew 28, 20 passage with the, um, well, with that, with God with us, that's really in the form of the Holy Spirit today. And that shows that a part of the triune God, that spirit is is God. And that's even reiterated when uh, it's Ananias and Sapphira where he says, you, they're talking about lying to the Holy Spirit and Peter comes along and he's like, well, you lied to God. I think, is that the story? I, yeah. So God is with us, and he's doing his work through the Spirit. You know, he's doing his, he's building his church through the Spirit. He is with you, and that is, that is comforting, Katrina. You know, you do, you do a lot of work with uh, congregational care, wellness, and spiritual advice and counsel, especially in chaplaincy. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you kind of incorporate God with us and try, you know, because a, a lot of times the holidays can be very tough because especially if people have lost a loved one or something, they may feel lonely. Um, how would you, what were some, just be some practical applications and just some encouragement for maybe some of our listeners who might, sure. who might feel that way? Well, the first thing is to be Christ-like. Mm. First and foremost, you have to uh, have that um, about you and to do that, you know, as a chaplain, we stay very close to the Lord. We 
we keep growing and making sure we spend that good quality yeah. time spiritually. And for people that are struggling at the holidays, that that's where you start. Mm. You start taking time with God. And it can be hard when it's so chaotic and busy. And just getting that solitude, that time alone with God to say, help. Mm. Help me. And uh, the second thing we do is we listen. We listen. That's what God does for us. He listens. Mm. And and just like he told Moses and, and King Ahaz, he said, ask me. You know, I'm I'm gonna be with you. Yeah. Ask, do what he says, and and if you're looking for those things that that can help you through this difficult season, where you may have had a loss this year, you may have gone through something terrible this year, and you're feeling, um, in a negative uh, mindset, you know, and that could be from anything, to just draw closer. That's you know, the deceiver's job is to make us. Go further from God. Yeah, yeah. And so how we fight that is we grow closer to God. When it gets hard, that's when you draw as close as you can. So that would be my counsel uh, for, for finding that comfort when you feel uncomforted. And this mm. is a perfect time of year to do that, to reflect on who he is and what he did. I like that. And the name Jesus actually has the same, would actually be pronounced the same and has the same meaning as what Joshua did in the Old Testament, you know, delivering his people. And he has come to deliver, um, you know, from a weary world. Mm -hmm. But this weary world, you know, we can be bogged down with stress. Um, You may have family you're not really looking forward to seeing to. Maybe you have family you are looking forward to seeing to. You haven't, you know, you haven't seen. Um, I know some people who are really struggling with possible deaths coming up right now, and it gets harder around the Christmas time. Um, but just remember, he has come to deliver us into that point of that coming to that new creation one day to deliver us into um, a heavenly home where we won't have to, you know, suffer from uh, tears, pain, or because <clears throat> all that will pass away. And he came to do away with that curse of sin on the cross so that we can be reconciled to him. So I don't know how you might be feeling today, listeners, but just remember that Jesus is with you. He um, He promised that he will be with us to the end of the age, till he comes again. He's going to be with us, and i um, very thankful that he came and was born in a manger, but he rose again. That really secures our hope. So that's uh, that's I, I really enjoy talking about this topic with y'all today. Jeff, what a, what's on the agenda for next week? Who's Jeremiah? Jeremiah's preaching next final week. Final stand. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's what he's preaching on yet. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's talking about Christmas from beginning to end. He, I th- that, I think he had he that in his idea, yeah. but he hadn't fully developed yet. Okay, so we will stay tuned, and that gives you even more reason to come to church this coming Sunday to see what he's preaching on. It's going to be great. We've uh, we've appreciated having Jeremiah here for nine years. Appreciate the work that he's done for our youth and for our church, and I think um, I think our church is better off because he's been here. So just uh, Jeremiah, I know you're not here. Just wanted to say thank you for uh, your service and your help here. We've missed you, but and we're going to continue to miss you. But happy for what you're going to be doing out in Oklahoma. So that uh, that wraps it up for our main point. Uh, make sure to uh, make sure to share this, and especially if somebody's just you know who's struggling, who just needs some encouragement, share that with them. And hopefully uh, this has been beneficial to you. And we will see you on the next one. So long. <laughs>